Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I have got a musical legend. I've got Guy Pratt. Guy Pratt of uh, Pink Floyd, Guy Pratt of every band you've ever heard of. He's literally played with everybody. I've done a real deep dive uh, looking into the artists that he's worked with. Guy was in The Smiths. I mean, there's, we don't even touch on that story, which is a shame, but go, go and read it. It's, it's a funny little story. We talk, we talk about Johnny Marr. I don't want to give too many spoilers because, you know, Guy's played on records from like Madonna. It, it's, it's ridiculous. And uh, and 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 we start. We get straight into the podcast as well because if you like your music podcasts, there's a cracker called Rock and Tours. I presume that all of the listeners of this podcast are familiar with that anyway. Um, but uh, if you're not, and you, and you like people talking music, then uh, you're in for a treat over there as well. Um, right before we get on with today's chat, a few thank yous. I want to thank Scribbis Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, off the beat tracks super proud to be part of that network uh, I want to thank the team at the Blue Murder Club podcast which is a, a wonderful true crime pod uh, and it's the team over there that produced this podcast so thanks to those go check them out um, big love to uh, Hotel Chocolat who uh, have continued with their sponsorship of this podcast so uh, that really helps and uh, and they've been with me now for for approaching three years, I think. So so huge love to, to Hotel Chocolat. And we'll be announcing some super exciting things coming your way soon um, alongside them. Uh, some some really fun, interesting stuff that, that hopefully will involve uh, you being able to attend and, and, and get involved with as well. So, yeah, big love to Hotel Chocolat, official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track. Um, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. You're very late to the party. Um, this is episode 400 and God knows what. Um, so you've missed loads, but that's fine. It's fine. Come in, come in, pop your shoes off. And, uh, and when you get to the end of today's chat with Guy, go and explore that back catalogue. Um, I mean, for fans of Rock and Tours, I interviewed um, Guy's co-host, uh, Gary Kemp, uh, about three months ago. I had a great chat with, with, with Gary. Um, and if you like your, your rock and rollers, I've chatted to... The Foo Fighters, I've chatted to Tommy Lee of Motley Crue, um, gosh, all of you indie bands from the Killers, the Kaisers, the Kooks, uh, through to producers like Butch Vig, Fatboy Slim, um, rappers like Yellow Wolf, Chuck D of Public Enemy, and some amazing acting talent uh, like Maxine Peake and Joe Hartley, Thomas Turgoose, Michael Smiley, 
through to some wonderful comic geniuses uh, such as James Acaster, Ed Gamble, uh, Doc Bran, um, gosh, who else? Jade Adams, Maisie Adam, uh, Rich Wilson. Uh, yeah, there's honestly there's hundreds and hundreds of episodes with so many amazing creatives and they're all to be listened to for free in the back catalogue. So um, after today's now, go and have a little rummage. Um, I'm going to tell you quickly, and I know this is the bit where most podcasters do the little the little begging plea, but um, I just want to tell you about Patreon. And all I'm going to say is just have a look. It's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track. Um, and it costs you a dollar a month. And I know times are tough. Uh, and it, they, you know, I understand that we're all feeling the pinch. Um, but if you do want a little bit of escapism and you want to just get some more some more music in your ears and some more musical chat in your ears, then um, I do that. Um, each week I try and upload sort of several bits of stuff for you. So it works out about 70 pence a month. Um, and you can just trial it for a month and uh, and just rinse the back catalogue. There's hundreds of episodes in the back catalogue. Um, and then just unsubscribe. Um, or you can stick about. And let me tell you what you get um, each each week. So well, each month. So I do a live show. And that live show's done over Zoom. And you're all invited. And it's lovely. You can just come on and uh, you can have the camera off and your mic off and you can just watch. Or... We just have a big old chat and you can feature on an episode. Um, and what I do is I pick one of the questions that I always ask guests on the podcast and then I throw it open to all the Patreons. And it's lovely. It's a really non-judgy, non-high-fidelity kind of indie snobbery kind of thing. It's just really nice and everybody's just chatting about records and we have a little natter and it's lovely. Um, and so you get that as part of being a Patreon as well as radio shows. You get to watch all the episodes. I put the videos of all these chats up on Patreon. So... Loads of stuff um, for 70 pence a month. And that money goes in the pot to, to keep the two free episodes each week coming and the production and all of that. Um, so, yeah, you can find out about that and everything else uh, at the website, which is offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Also, there's a little thing in the show notes called Buy Me A Coffee. Um, if you really enjoy the episode and you want to keep me going, um, you can just go on there and just buy me a coffee. I like coffee. And so if you can do that, wonderful as well. Other than that, just nudge your mates and go, there's this old guy from Essex with a lisp that, that bangs on about music with wonderful people. Um, or just give us a like, love, share on the, the, the social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can do that. Um, yeah. And that's, that's about it, I think. Right, that's all that stuff done. So let's get on with the good stuff. Please enjoy today's episode of Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the delightful... Guy Pratt. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Okay. Okay, we are recording. Guy, how are you today? I'm very, very well. Um, the sun is shining. There's stuff going on here. I've got all sorts of good news happening work-wise. Um, yeah. Um, really good is that a glockenspiel above your head no it's not it's um it's quite funny because uh when gary kemp and myself do our rock on tours podcasts we tend to dress if we're at home 
uh, we tend to dress the, our background with stuff that's relevant to our guests. Um, you know, there will be a relevant guitar. Gary used it as a mint condition LP of theirs. Um, but we had, I can't say, who it, when's this going out? Uh, this will probably be out in about a month's time. Oh, okay. Well, we've probably been on by then. Yeah, because uh, I've that's actually, it looks like a glockenspiel. It's a barlophon, which is a beautiful West African instrument, and a kora, because we had a very eminent West African guest on um, on Rock on Tours, and I've had these things for like 35 years, so it was brilliant to be able to get them out. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, look, before we do anything else, um, I, let's just talk a little bit about Rock and Tours, because as, as somebody that... that has been doing this podcast for for close to four years now and 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 gets to interview some amazing people i then look at the list of who you've had on your podcast and i'm i'm incredibly jealous i mean you 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 and gary have knocked it out the park haven't you oh thank you well um kind of i mean we're still feeling like that when we're not cracking the big ones you know we're not getting our townsends or mccartney's yeah there's always a box to tick isn't there but no it has been amazing because it started off with you know we we're right in the beginning it was just mates and uh and then it's and then you know at times it has been a struggle it has been a bit of a struggle but it's um it's a matter of getting yourself on that list isn't it you know yeah. where people because the thing is is that we try to impress upon people when people say, well, they're not doing promo at the moment. And it's like, that's actually when we want people. Yeah. We don't want to talk about your new album. You totally. Know. Sorry, that, I mean, in, in the nicest possible way. No, <laughs> I, I totally agree. I think, you know, and that's try, it's what I try and do with this as well, is, is sort of do that deep dive and that peek behind the curtain and, and, and get stuff that it isn't a little anecdote and, and, and plug in the current thing. You know, obviously, yeah. if they have got something, we'll talk about that at the end. But I prefer to kind of just have that, that deeper dive. And I, I think that's very much what, what, what um, you and Gary do as well. No, thank you. Yeah, because a lot of it is, I'm sure it's the same for you, is that is that a podcaster is something that people discover mm. and then they go back and listen at their leisure. So it's the less time sensitive it is, yeah. the better, you know. Although there's an interesting thing during lockdown, I was trying to think of something I could do as a sort of, you know, contribution. Perhaps. So and people were saying, why don't you do bass lessons, <laughs> online bass lessons? And I was like, well, I can't because I don't really, I don't really know how to play the bass, frankly. And, uh, but so I had this idea of doing lockdown licks where I would every week, I would just show you a song that I played on and show you how I did it on the bass and uh, which went down fantastically well. And it was really, it was really good fun for me. But what's interesting is because people still leave comments on it. And when they do, that takes me back to the video. And one of the main reasons I'm glad I did it now is it serves as such a great diary yeah. of where we were yeah. because I'm chatting, you know, and how heavy it was, man. Yeah. We forget how heavy it was, you know. So, um, so th- that's why all this stuff is, is great as a rather than as a current thing. Just to, as the podcasts are great time capsules. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is where we were at that moment. It is weird. So, I, I, I was listening to. I spoke to, to to you and Gary for the for the Pop Bubble magazine a few weeks back, and I I went back and listened to some some older episodes and hearing sort of Noel Gallagher saying like you know he can't wait to just just do a gig again and just to play live yeah. music and it, you just think it yeah. feels a lifetime away, but it really wasn't. It was you know it was only just a couple of years ago. But it, yeah. it's so strange hearing people talking about that you know, not being able to be in a room with their friends and make music. It was, uh, it's, it's, it's a mad little, uh, yeah. And, and it felt right. like it was, it felt like it was never going to be really behind us. Absolutely. You know, I remember that there was that whole thing of that. You had that period of, I'd be watching a movie 
And whenever there was a nightclub scene or anything, you just figure like, oh, oh what is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I run a nightclub. That's been my, you know, another one of my jobs for the last 30 years. And we was the first thing to close and we was the last thing to reopen, much like live music. Well, um, yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah, we were absolutely the last people who were going to go back to work. Yeah. And it was it was surreal when it when it reopened and to see large amounts of people dancing and enjoying themselves in a small area again. It just looked alien, which is surreal when you think yeah. for the last 28 years, that's just been my weekends. And uh, yeah. But yeah, it's a thing of the past now, hopefully. Thing of the past, and, yes. Uh, right, let's get your, your playlist starting. And uh, I'm going to ask you for track one to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please, Guy. Right, well, well I, first thing, I'm going to have add a big caveat to all of these things okay. in that there's, there isn't. There isn't a greatest of anything, you know. Uh, this is the greatest intro of all time for me, uh, be for the simple reason that it's the intro that changed my life. And it's probably why I'm sitting here talking to you today. Um, because if it wasn't for this song, I, I don't know that I would have, this is what made me decide to be a musician. And it's Barbara O'Reilly by The Who. An incredible, incredible intro and song, but... Tell me why that inspired you to to, to start. I mean, uh, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's such a call to arms of, of a track anyway. Why wouldn't well, that, you want to be a rock star? It's exactly what it is. It's, it's because of the moment. I mean, I can tell you, I've recounted this a million times. It's in my book, but it was, it was I was on a family holiday in Hollyhead, and I had these two cousins, a good one and a bad one. They were really cartoonish, and I adored them and worshipped them both. And the bad one had just bullied me into smoking, right? And I'd, because I'd got out of smoking. I was, you know, I was 13 uh, or 12. But and the funny thing is that everyone who was going to smoke was smoking by then. Um, and so I kind of missed that. So I, I kind of thought I got got away with it. But then he sort of forced me into it, and I thought he was really cool. And so I'd been smoking for a couple of days out on our little dinghy. And then this was the first day that I took a cigarette down. Uh, and this was around at their house, their rented house. Um, and I immediately felt totally nauseous and sick. And I had to go upstairs and lie down on his bed. And I lay down in the fitting seat and I basically passed out. And when I came around, I noticed there was this cassette player right by the bed. Oh, I think it was a, a Sony TC68 because I was much more interested in tech than music. <laughs> so then. specific. And uh, I was obsessed with Sony. Yeah, There was a TC68 and the TC66. And in fact, the case of the TC66 became the battery case to hold the 75 massive batteries whatever you need for the first Sony portable CD player. Um, wow. yeah, I spent all my holidays... I used to spend all my holidays at the school holidays at the Sony showroom on Regent Street. I was totally into that shit. Um, <laughs> so music was just something you played on tech yeah. to me at that point. You know, I loved it. So anyway, but I just hit play and this came out and it was, um, and it just, and it was just a thing of that, that synth sound. You'd never heard anything like it. And it's not a synth. It's just a home organ and it's not going through any filters or anything. It's just a setting on, I think it's the Chamberlain, whatever, uh, home organ. Pete Townsend has actually played it to me on the organ in his studio that happened wow. last year. Yeah. Which was just mind blowing. And I presume you recounted that story. I didn't ask Did him you... to. I didn't ask him to. No, I didn't tell him the story. I did not know because you were Pete. Pete's always on. It's, you know, when you work, it's, it was like being in a three day TED talk. And he, he was talking about something else. He was talking about something to do with synthesis and envelopes. I go, oh, yeah, yeah, all right. And he played on, and he just happened to be playing on the synth that was next to this one. And then he moved over and said, but of course, this one, you can do this. And then he went, dug a 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 d
Wow. And just played the intro to Barbara O'Reilly. Um, and it's, yeah, and it's then, but everything about it, there's the way the drums then come in. And, and what's incredible, because the one thing that Mooney, I always think, doesn't get credit for is that his his actual tempo, his timekeeping was incredible, mm. incredible. He was like, if it's especially some of the stuff on Tommy, because for all the bonkersness of the fills, his actual underlying time is so solid. And on this, it absolutely isn't. He comes in and he slows down massively and then realizes that he can't change tempo and then pulls back up to speed. Um, and then it's the bass, it's the best bass sounds Entwist will ever had on anything. Well, this and Quadrophenia are the, yeah. basically the only two records where he sounded like he was playing a bass guitar. Yeah. Um, and then there's the piano, which is quite a hot, hokey piano mm. sound. And then the guitar. And, and and it's and then Roger comes in screaming. And, and I remember the thing was just like, fuck, I've just never heard anyone mean something yeah. that much. I don't even know what it means. And it was this thing of we're out in the fields and working and, and it immediately conjures up all these fantastic pictures of anything from John Betjeman to, you know, and, uh, and it sounds and that was like it. it's got you so know. much purpose, doesn't it? Right from the, yeah, off. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right from the, off. it really is. It's like, you know, I'd follow I'll follow you anywhere, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what it's, what's amazing is that Stephen Wilson re recently did a remix of it. And uh, I happened to be up at his house somewhere the reason. And he had the multi-track. And so I got to hear it wow. uh, broken down. And what's amazing is it's eight tracks. And it's one of those things of when you split it all up, the individual elements actually aren't that great. Oh, really? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, like, it's, it's not particular. I mean, it's Glenn Johns. It's beautiful work. But it, it's not particularly hi-fi recording. And it's literally, it's just like, it, it's a stereo of, of the synth, the keyboard, two tracks of drums, one track piano, one track bass, and one guitar. It's just one guitar. It's not even double tracked. Wow. And it's and the sh just the shit. And that's what it is. It's uh, I think, you know, because that's always been the thing that gets me with Pete is like, especially with his solo record. What, what amazes me about Pete Townsend's music is not how much guitar there is on it, but how little. Yeah. You know, compared to any other rock band, it's like guitars are choir. And, a, and that's the only album where he ever had anything like a full-on distorted yeah. rock sound quadrophenia doesn't you know he's a he's a rock and roll player not a yeah. rock player yeah that's a really you know, good point that's like, so true play... on, on quadrophenia isn't it yeah yeah there's no sustain where he's, he's doing all the big solo -y stuff on love our own me it's bing it's yeah. there's no sustain he's he he's he's making you listen to him not the guitar you know love it right well i'm gonna take you back now and for track two, I'm going to ask you to tell me, please, Guy, the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Yes. Uh, and it's She's Leaving Home by the Beatles, because I remember, I don't know where I found them. It was um, up in a room when I was very young. My stepdad just had this little collection, again, a perfect little time capsule of, of his music moment in the 60s, right? And he had Sergeant Pepper, Wheels of Fire, the Cream live album, Highway 61 Revisited, and Deja Vu by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. I mean, you couldn't ask for a more perfect Ticking all the boxes set there. of albums. Just ticks every box, you know. It's it's so, and, and I salute you, Martin, for that. And and I just remember putting on Sergeant Pepper, I knew the Beatles, and oh, it's the Beatles. And and um, but I just remember hearing She's Leaving Home and just thinking, did, did, I just couldn't believe someone had written that. 
Yeah. And it was just so, and, and I kind of, you know, things like, um, as a kid, things like a man from the motor trade. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, mean something to you as opposed to someone talking about some baby or, yeah, you know, or, or anything. It was just the, this, the down to earthness of it and just the fit of people going upstairs and downstairs yeah. and, and describing the geography of a house, you know, because well, I'm a kid. That's what I know. Cause it was a great thing that, um, when we had Andrew Lou Goldham on the podcast, there's a brilliant thing he said, because a lot of people said Tony King had exactly the same experience, which was hearing Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis, which is just absolutely changed. But he made this great point. He said, man, but you know, when I heard that, I'd never had my heart broken and I'd never stayed in a hotel. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is so true. So you're dealing with this abstract imagery. Yeah. And I think that was the thing with she's leaving home was that there's things in a house and there's kitchen tables. And there's, it's, I think when you're a kid having something that real, yeah, you know, to get a hold of is why that really moved me. And I think that's that's the case, though, isn't it? I, I, I think up until then, music is—it's just there, isn't it? It's just sweet sounds that 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 sort of—I don't know—sort of bounce around your head and make you move a little. And then I think it's that first song where, and it can be lyrics uh, quite a lot of the time, where all of a sudden something sort of hits you on a different level. You're like, oh, hang on, like what's he saying? Oh well, yeah, exactly. Well, the most obvious one is how. All love songs are silly. Love songs are just silly. Love, love. He loves him and she loves it. And it's just silly. And then you fall in love. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, my God. Rewrite the whole book. <laughs> so All true. of those songs are suddenly the most profound thing ever. Yeah. Do you know, you know. <laughs> So I remember, you know, when you're, when you're trying to write songs, and I go, "Yeah, I love, I, I love you." Write something about love. You don't know what, like, you know. But but as soon as you fall in love, it's you, you know, you suddenly realize suddenly pop music yeah. has become just just the absolute harbinger of yeah. the world. <laughs> and then comes the first heartbreak, and then it's like, right now, get the pen. There's a few albums here, hundred percent. I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly, yeah, exactly. Because until then, it's just like, what's he talking about? Absolutely. <laughs> so tell me about. Um, Childhood, where did you grow up, Guy? I grew up in Waterloo. Okay, okay. Uh, and do you know what? I actually, I had to, I went to the National Theatre the other night. I went up to town for the press night of Richard Hawley's musical. Oh, how was uh, that? It's amazing. Uh, I, 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 can't, I cannot recommend it enough. Everyone's got to go and see it, uh, standing at the edge of the sky or the sky's edge. It's amazing. Um, but... Because I was there, right, because, and I went and took pictures of, for the first time, I, I went and took pictures of the flat where I was born, which is in the cut, because, mate, I've got to tell you something, the most mental thing has happened. For the first, I've been slowly moving out of London in the last few years. I moved to Brighton about 12 years ago, and we've now moved to Ulfriston. We're in the, right on the South Downs. I'm nowhere. There's one house within half a mile of us, right? Well, that way, I mean, there's a village there. And it's about half a mile round on the track, but the guy is actually literally just next door. And I went over and had and spent the evening with him the other night. He's our neighbour, lovely, lovely man. Um, getting on a bit, and uh, as are we all. But sorry, th this is going somewhere. And we turned up. We started talking about our lives and everything. I said how I was from South London. He said he'd lived in South London. By the end of it, we ascertained that in the last week of December 1961, he bought and moved into flat E number 71, the cut. On January the 3rd, 1962, I was born in flat B, 71, the cut. So my neighbour was literally five yards down the hall when I was born. 
That's insane. It's insane, isn't it? Do you know what? Like, God, I don't want to be a topper, but that's just tipped something in my head. Like, just reminded me of something, right? About three years ago, during lockdown, my, my, me, I was dropping my daughter to work. She worked in a, um, in a hotel. And, uh, and I was dropping her to there first thing in the morning. And we unfortunately saw somebody run a police officer over. Uh, and 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 so we we, we stopped and helped the police officer and, and et cetera et cetera. Anyway, the somebody that saw it as well chased the, the 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 person that done it, and then we both ended up in the police station to give our statements. And I was sitting next to this guy, and I was chatting. I said like, "Oh, that was a, a weird thing that we were the only two people about, and you know, this we both witnessed this terribly you know awful thing." Mm-hmm. And so I then get chatting to him and like, "Oh, where do you live?" Blah blah blah, and. He lived in the house that I grew up in, and and it was like just no. You just think like I said. He was, I said what number? And he was I was six. I was like I lived there, and he was like, oh yeah. My my parents like the parents must have bought it off of my parents, and it was like just this weird situation. Where I, I, you know, I don't generally hang out in police stations, but I was there because of this really awful thing that happened. Yeah, that yeah, quite yeah. Strange. And it turns out, yeah, the guy that that, that also witnessed it lived in, lived in the house that that I grew up in. Quite surreal. Anyway, we digress. I want to talk more we about... We do, we do. Um, that's what I do, though. That's what I do. Sorry. <laughs> about, well, that's, that's podcasters, I think. We can't help. Isn't it? <laughs> um, so, I take it, uh, aside from um, the, the sort of handful of records and good records, was was home quite musical? Was, was, was you know, would mum have the radio on and things like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my, I mean, obviously, my dad was big, but he didn't live with us. He lived in Chelsea. And uh, he... Because you know he he was a songwriter mm. originally before he was an actor, um, and do you know what? One of the things that's been occurring to me lately as as thing is that he lived in this. It was quite a grotty flat. Uh, it was just two doors down from Led Zeppelin's office uh, up at the World's End on Kings Road, and he lived about Hunts, which was about hundred yards from Malcolm and Vivian's shop. Right, and he was really good mates with Tom Salter, who had Salter's Cafe, whose daughter Gabby went on to marry Joe Strummer. And the, the, what's one of the things that I mean, there's so many things that are sad about my, my dad. He died incredibly young. He was 45 and it was in 1976. And I just think live, being where he was, if he'd been around because he, he loved music so much oh. and he loved mischief that if, if he if he hadn't died, then he would have loved punk and oh. they would have loved him. You know what I mean? And he was yeah. right there. And I, I think that that's such a shame because he was a real hippie. I mean, yeah. he was a full on. You know, living, living on top of that, you know, yeah. uh, in in seventy seven would have been remarkable, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, he, he died in seventy six. The oh. shape was just happening. So, so how, um, how old was you when he when he passed, guy? Uh, I was fourteen, and that's probably why I play the bass because it was the last thing he ever gave me. It was for that that Christmas, yeah. Christmas and birthday, and my mum and dad they clubbed together and got me this bass guitar. And it's only once you get older you you kind of realise well. It's obviously so he gave, he gave me a bass, and that was the last thing he told me. So, so that's what I did. So never, just never occurred to me to do anything else. You know, yeah. oh, I should. I mean, although if he hadn't died, he probably would have said, "Don't be stupid, go to college." You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you, you mentioned education. There's a lovely little tenuous link there to, to track through, and I'm going to ask you uh, to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, guy. Oh yes, and this isn't a. And, and I was trying to think. There's a few of them. You can have this, some honourable mentions, mate. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, because I didn't particularly like this. The funny thing is, it's, I've only just recently appreciated how brilliant this album is. But the the song that I just, every hat, right? I went to a boarding school. Okay. It wasn't that posh. It was me, Youth and Alex Patterson were all there. So, um, uh, but you, we had houses. There were like six actual separate houses around the building. Uh, we all know I was in Bradford. Youth and Alex were in Sheffield. There was Durham knowledge. And each house had, just to show you how old they were, each house had a, little, a room called a jazz cellar, <laughs> <laughs> which was like your one real sanctuary would be next to the common room. And you had like some shitty little record player, probably an, an Amstrad, an Amstrad sort of stereo. Yeah. Um, uh, and it was where you could go and, and, and play your music. It was the only place you could go and listen to music. And I just remember the one song that came blaring out of every jazz cellar in every house was Dreamer by Supertramp. It's a great pop record. It's a brilliant pop record, but it's quite because, you know, people are into all sorts of stuff. I mean, you know, it was quite, I got a lot of musical education from school yeah. people. A lot of people were into man. Man okay, and Dean, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were they were really big. Um, Uriah Heep, who I never really liked. Yeah, it was a lot of real rock stuff because I was never really a rock guy. Right. Um, apart from Zeppelin, Zeppelin was the only real rock. I was a, I was a rock and roll bloke. If you know what I mean, it was the Who, it was Springsteen, the Stones. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but but Dreamer that for some reason that was that and uh, one of my one of my favorite memories from school was having to play games. Uh, I'd have to do some evening games thing. It might be in a detention. And I was out on the playing fields and Durham house was up at the top of the field. You could see it. And my old mate, Anthony Blompier, who I'm still in touch with, who now lives in Brussels, works for their film archive. Um, he was, he had the jazz center and he had the window open and he was playing. I'm in with the in crowd by Brian Ferry. Right. Yeah. Which is why it was so great, which I played with Brian last time I was on tour with him. And it was just so magical because that is one of my absolute childhood. Because that ba-da-bam. I mean, you know, it's like a Barbara O'Reilly. Yeah, you know, yeah it's, absolutely. It's just one of those great. And uh, and while, so while I was down the pitch, he said he was looking at me and I was miming the guitar. Like, da-da-da. And we'd just been doing the sound in physics and he said that was the most brilliant description of of the tra of how fast sound travels was watching you do windmills and how long it took to reach me up at durham house <laughs> wonderful <laughs> did did you have any idea what you wanted to do when you was at school uh bef before music yeah did, or was music always going to be what you wanted to do or and, and was that encouraged at school uh no no i did the clarinet no i actually won a competition they they found um they found the lyrics to some old psalm some 16th century psalm or something and there was a competition to write music for it and whoever won that competition would have their music played on the chapel organ and have the school choir sing that psalm right i won that competition and i still wasn't allowed to take our level music no way yeah, and, and I asked, I wanted piano lessons, but they were full of, all that was open to me was the violin or the clarinet. So I did the clarinet for a bit. But then I just spent my entire life in the music school with my bass guitar. So, yeah. you know, no help, no help, assistance, nothing, encouragement, nothing from anyone. And <laughs> it wasn't a real instrument. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And so I'm also interested in like areas that, that the people grew up in and the opportunities that, that lie within them and, uh, and, and certainly within the arts. And, and you know, growing up, uh, in in London, and and you you you, you know you, your dad obviously having a a, a history of, of of being a very you know creative musician. Like, did did it feel as somebody that wanted to sort of carve a career in music that it was possible? Um. Uh. Yeah, I think it did. I mean, I don't really know. It was what's really interesting is, is how. Oh, because what I should say that because when I did start playing, which was with youth with Martin yeah. Glover as he was then, and he'd show it because, you know, he's such a hustler, which is why for all his fabulous hippie outwards, he's the most brilliant empire builder I've ever known. Who, who works everything to his advantage, and and I say that as an absolute compliment. Um. Uh, um. And he managed to get us this attic above the gym it was incredible we, it was like our own den it, it was it was above the kitchen it was above the gym in the kitchen and it was just ours to do whatever we wanted with and we sort of had a couple of old dance set record players we wired up as amps and we had all our stick well they weren't posters but they were uh ads cut out from nme and melody maker just be all ads for bowie records and you know whatever and uh and, and we had this but and that was the most i mean so that i guess is the only encouragement I ever had. I mean, that was fun. But uh, there was a very strong feeling, I think, back then that before punk, there really was this thing of there were five bands yeah. and you were either in one of them or that was it because it was, you know, there was the pub rock thing happening, but it was also, it was like, it was Pink Floyd. It was Led Zeppelin. It was the Eagles. It was just so kind of Mount Olympus yeah. by that point that, you know, that's why that had to happen, you know, because there was no, none of the music you wanted to play for all of, the fucking misty-eyed, rose-coloured glasses thing yeah. about Radio 1. Radio 1 was shit, right? It's, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to... I mean, yes, we love Motown, but I didn't want to play for Diana Ross. Yeah. You know, I mean? you know, there was nothing that really... I mean, there would be the odd Bowie, the odd Roxy music, the yeah. odd, you know... The, but it, it it was rubbish. <laughs> and, well, you know, a, a, a music just exists... As Geldof says, punk happened in the music press. Yeah. 
you know. That's a great, I mean, to, to shout out that y- your podcast again, that's a great episode. Um, speaking to yeah, it's not really a podcast. It's more of a more of a reef lecture, it's really, a, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, parental guidance warning on that one as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great listen. That is. Um, I'm going to sprinkle in a couple of questions that um, j- just because uh, seeing the amount of artists that you've you, you've worked with, insane. Uh, and I love the fact on your podcast that anybody that gets brought up in some capacity, there is a link to how you have been involved with them in their career at some point. I love that. Yeah. So I just want to. Do you, know, do you know what's really interesting? Go on. Is is the different ways that Gary approaches it, which can tell you <laughs> how it is with the guest. Is like, for instance, um, when we had Dave Davis on from the Kinks, and we're all sort of really honoured and just trying to be gentle and kind, and we're just so thrilled he's there. And uh, it came up that I'd played on Kirsty McCall's version of Days. Yeah. And so Gary said, yes, you see, see, Dave, very often we find this, that Guy has a connection uh, in some way with our guests, you know, nice. When Paddy Considine was on, and it turns out that I played on a film that he was in, Gary's just like, it gets fucking boring, I tell you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that was a great that was a great interview as well that one i love the fact yeah. that um you know obviously uh people a lot of people aren't aware that that, that, that paddy's consistently put out great records you know yeah they're uh, great records yeah they're really good yeah and uh it's it, yeah it's annoying that, that that people can be so multi-talented um i'm gonna ask you about a couple of the artists that you you work with throughout this podcast tell Go me a little bit because I'm, I'm a big fan tell me a little bit about working with Stephen Tintin Duffy. Oh, Stephen. Well, um, then that was, I, I adored Stephen. And we started a production team. We were going to be happening productions. And we did, we co wrote a song for us, uh, which he did as a duet with Sandy from Sandy and the Sunsets. And we had, <laughs> and, and everything was going fantastic. We discovered Ecstasy together. Uh, this was long before, you know, the rave scene or anything. Yeah. And that was, um, it was a great, lovely time. I loved working with Stephen. We wrote together, we produced together. and th- But then we had this slightly awkward thing where I split up with my girlfriend. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I did it, right? I mean, no one's actually at fault here. No one's done anything wrong, really. But I, I, I split up with my girlfriend, and then I went away to see my granny, who lived in Cyprus for a holiday, to sort of get over it. And I just had time in my life. But when I came back, my ex had moved in with Stephen. Okay. <laughs> which was, yeah, which was somewhat awkward. And he suddenly was, because all of Stephen's songs were about unrequited love. And, yeah. uh, you know, I love you and you don't know how much I love and how this, how that crushes a blow and, and, yeah. and all that. And suddenly he's rewriting all his lyrics to, this must be the start of something special and everything's wonderful. <laughs> and, uh, and, it, <laughs> and it all got a bit awkward. And then, so he then started the Lilac Time. Mm. Which is actually with all, which was all people I knew, which is all the people I knew from the sort of social circle yeah. I'd, I'd had with Kate, my girlfriend. And <laughs> so I think I just sort of went off somewhere else, you know, as kind of, and, but I, he did, but as I mean, he had a very clearly defined path with the lilac time, which was fantastic. Mm. And I clearly had places to go. So it was, um, it all worked out fine in the end, but it was very, very funny. But that was a that was a very inter- that was very interesting lesson for me to, about male ego because I thought I was immune to male ego. I thought male ego was just uh, hey, I'm an airline pilot, hey, yeah. you know, and being really cool. But in fact, it's nothing to do with that at all. But so, so yeah, that that's. But but I adore Stephen. He and he was brilliant and a great wit. And and uh, 
through that. Yeah, I've met. That's how I met Trish Renane, who's a lifelong friend. Um, so yeah, Perfect. and in fact, uh, in fact, it was I was taken. I was brought to Stephen by Tarquin Gotch, um, who now who again still looks after me and is one of the producers of Rock on Tours. So it was all part of a nice. There's, it was a very healthy pool. Yeah, if you know what I mean. To, to, as far as my life going forwards was concerned. Wonderful. <laughs> Tell me the first record you were buying from a record shop, please, guy. Now I don't know. It's either. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, does I mean, uh, does the Monster Mash count? I mean, that was because I, I think my mum probably bought okay. that. Uh, probably before your, I had your pocket, pocket money. money. What did you get with my your pocket, pocket money? money? I don't. It's either my mama, mama, we're all crazy now. Oh, what a record! Or. Crazy Horses by the Osmonds. Do you know what? Your first record was meant to be embarrassingly shit, and you've chose two stonkers there, mate. They're cracking tunes. No, but, but well, they are. But the Osmonds was the Osmonds. I guess they were you know I mean? looked upon as being wrestle. cool, I guess. But, like, that's a tune. You listen back I to it going, now. I was going, that's the same sort of mental, mental anguish that I go through years later when I went to see Pink Floyd do the wall at Earl's Court and go, my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. But it can't be. <laughs> I'm dressed like Joe Strummer. It's can't be. You know. <laughs> oh, love it. Tell, tell me about your relationship with a record shop over the years, Guy. Oh, um, well, it was very sweet because uh, something came up with actually with. Um, uh, uh, there was a lovely thing where, where my old friend Anthony, who was my best friend at primary school, the, the, the one time uh, that. Uh, when the Who did those classic shows, uh, uh, they played at the Kilburn Gomont for um, uh, for for the kids are all right, uh, but in fact they couldn't use that. They ended up going into Shepperton. But they did the show, and this one I never saw the Who with Mooney. It was just broadcast on Capital Radio two hours before the Who are, are doing a show at the Kilburn Gomont. Get down there. And that's how they, that's all they announced. And my my friend Anthony heard that on the radio, and what's so sweet is he said. And I think it was it was um was it during the whole yeah, it was during the holiday. So so um it was when we were at boarding school. We were at boarding school together at this point. And so he said, because of course there was no he called me at home and I wasn't there. So he then went and tried everywhere he thought he could find me. And the two places were Shaw's, which was this little remember when they always used to be these mini department stores everywhere? Shaw's was this department store on um Waterloo Road. Yeah just by Waterloo Station. And the downstairs was the camera and record department. And that's where we used to, that's where we used to live all the time, ogling the little Kodak <laughs> Instamatics and, uh, and and records. And yeah. so that's what I learned about there. And then there was, uh, at the top of Lower Marsh, there was Sundown Records, uh, which I think is quite a renowned record shop. Uh, I mean, it's long gone, obviously, but it, um, uh, but I, I think it was called something else before. So, but that was, that, that was the thing that, that was where I, when I wasn't, when I wasn't at the Sony center, the Sony showroom on Regent street, I was either in Shaw's or at Sundown records. And there were, and there's an interesting thing I was saying, cause shops are a great way of noting the different parts of your life, right? Because there's the record shop. And then when you get a bit older, there's the clothes shop yeah. combined with the record shop. Then you add the bookshop. Then the kind of to me, then the bookshop over supersedes the record shop, and uh, and then as you go into middle age, then it becomes the kitchen shop. 
Finally ending at the garden centre. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. That is your life in retail. Do you know what? I said, to, honestly, I said to myself, I said to my wife the other day, I was like, we was, we was kicking around on a Sunday with nothing to do. I said, should we go and have a coffee and have a walk around the garden centre? And she went, <laughs> will you check yourself? And I was like, <laughs> fucking hell. I did say that out loud, didn't I? And I was like, yeah, look, we ain't ready for that yet. But yeah, you slip into these things so easily, guy. Oh, I know. No, my missus has a thing. I always know when she when she's driving down here, I know that I have to add like at least three quarters of an hour to the time because she cannot drive past Chessington. <laughs> she can't. She can't do it. She can't, just cannot get it. There's this massive great garden centre and it's sitting there and she just, mind you, you need to see my house, man. It's just, like I said, the place I lived in in Brighton, I needed a machete to get into the shower. <laughs> so... <laughs> Right, look, we've got to get some uh, some rock and roll chat Sorry, going. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're going down a bad place <laughs> if we're talking garden centres, mate. You um, you, you mentioned clothes and music there, and and I listened to uh, your your episode uh, talking to the the, the legend that is Johnny Marr. Uh, and, oh, yes. and, and and his love affair with, with clothes it seems to have been always as strong as his love affair with music. Um, tell me a little bit about working with electronic. Oh, well, it's, I mean, John is one of my dearest, dearest, oldest friends. I mean, he's the, as you know, and any, anyone, I imagine you've probably met Johnny, haven't you? No, he's, he's evaded oh. me. He's, he, when I set this podcast up, guy, I had two guests that I wanted to get on and it was Maxine Peake and Johnny Mart. I've had Maxine, I've had Niall on, but I've not had Johnny. He evades oh. me. <laughs> oh dear. But I bet, I bet you've never met anyone who has met him who has anything other to say than he is the one of the finest people to ever walk God's earth. That doesn't help. That's exactly what no. happens. <laughs> yeah. He's just, and do you know, I have, I have, there's this fantastic thing I have now is that because my son is at uni in Manchester, so I have to keep going up to Manchester to see yeah. him, which I like, which is an excuse to pop in. It was so, I, and in fact, Johnny, I mean, this is he's just so lovely he came out to join me and my son for dinner last time i went to visit stan oh, lovely you know that's how lovely he is um working with electronic was 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 brilliant i mean when we actually did the i mean because i've done various stuff with i've did the albums but there was the one band bit and it was literally uh, i said about this in my book it was like literally the greatest band that never was you know it was it was the midnighters and we i just we did a lot of tv promo went around europe did thank god it's friday and all that stuff and it was just, and this and it was where I met Jed Lynch, who to this day is still one of my dearest friends and my favourite drummer in the world. You know, which is why I took him to do the stuff I did with Pete Townsend last year. Um, and he, and I know we said we had this joke that when, whenever we got together, whenever we mentioned electronic, we both just go quiet and glumly look at our pints because, you know, because it should have been great. and and because Johnny and Bernard can both be such old women. You know, and they were really good at blaming each other. Well, I'd like to do it, but I don't, I don't think, John, you know, this is the reason we didn't tour properly. I don't, John doesn't want to, John go, well, no, God, Bernard doesn't want to. Do and then um, until it was actually on our podcast when Johnny on air fessed up, went, guy, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like going on tour. <laughs> and uh, he's absolutely right. I mean, it's fair, but it was, it was, it was so much fun doing that. I still, my favorite story, which is in the book, is the, is when we did uh where, where was it was it might have been stockholm stockholm where i think where bernard actually got thrown out of a club for whistling on the dance floor because <laughs> he just has this thing when he's dancing he sort of whistles yeah right and they and they threw him out <laughs> 
I mean, <laughs> surely that's just got to be but some it, some doorman that just wants to go. I threw the geezer out a new order out of a club for whistling. Just wanted yeah, a little yeah, a little story. Yeah, 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 exactly. But no, because my favourite story of that is um, uh, uh, so is that we stayed in this hotel in Stockholm, and it was one of those ones where. You went in and you turn your TV on and rather than being CNN or the local whatever, it was just stra- immediate, super hardcore porn. Like, just <laughs> weird, like, just mad, piggling, jiggling pinkness. You couldn't even figure out what was going on. And, you know, and it was, and they were like, and you had to get through three channels of that <laughs> just to get to CNN or the weather or anything, you know, and, and we all had it. I mean, we all came down to breakfast. We went, fucking hell, man. What was on your TV? And we were all going, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went and did this TV show where we did a number. And it was like a sort of, you know, good morning, one show, magazine type show. But I had quite a big elaborate set. And it was, I don't know if it was Valentine's Day or something, but the theme of the show that week was love. And they literally had these giant heart balloons and arrows and cupids and stuff all over the studio. And th- what they are... You know, spoke to everyone. And so we did this number. And then Johnny and Bernard go and sit on the sofa with the hosts. Right. And the lady goes, So, uh, Bernard, as you see, the theme of our show is uh is love. So can you tell me to you, you know, one of those ridiculous questions, what is love? Because Brent and Bernard went, Well, it's not what was on my hotel telly last night. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. (laughs) Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Right, I mean, we're talking about uh, Bernard, who's who's created some of the greatest electronic music of of, of all time, which uh, you imagine so much of that would have soundtracked. Places like the Hacienda, I'm I'm, I'm trying to thumb another link in here. Um, Tell me the song that soundtracked your years clubbing, please, Guy. I I don't know if it's one that soundtracked my years, but I picked The Message by Grandmaster Flash Mm -hmm. and the Furious Five because it was when we were all so into hip-hop. Yeah, and we used to get these mixtapes sent over from New York of Todd Terry's show on Kiss FM. They used to do every Friday night, and uh, and I used to go to this place, the Language Lab, which was like the youth used to come with me. It was the and and I we had this jazz band that used to play there, and then I used to play along with DJs. Was that in London? That was in like yeah, that was at Gossips. It was same place that uh, same place that Billy's was. So so where Gary had been downstairs at the Bowie night. Yeah, I I was upstairs at this hip hop thing. And, uh, uh, and, but the thing was that, you know, hip hop was so great 
and fresh, but it but it was just all this self-aggrandizing, you know, hotel, motel, holiday inn, and you know, Cadillac and 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 we're all waiting for, you know, waiting for because the this amazing because you know, hap as we've seen as it's gone on, and and ultimately I would say resulting in Hamilton, that how rap is just the best dialogue delivery system ever invented. 100%. You know. And um and so when the message, which is basically the what's going on of rap, isn't it? When that came out, I remember it was just so, oh my God, that's that's what we've been waiting for. And it was just like for, a, a, you know, every club you went to, you were just waiting for that to come on. And when it did come on, I remember like but the Notting Hill Carnival that year, that's all you heard. And it was brilliant, you know. And it, and it's played, by the way, amazing, that amazing rhythm section of Doug Wimbish and um, ah, ah, the drummer. No, no, I've had one of those terrible moments. Anyway, the you know, well, you the house that house rhythm section. You said something there um, about how you'd get your hip hop sent over from the states. These mixtapes, and as as yeah. somebody that was kind of sort of thirteen when this sort of stuff was happening, it felt like, and 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 I, I hope it felt the same for for most people that were experiencing hip hop because it was this new music that sounded so American uh, and so punk and so exciting and different. And you, you know, as as a kid, I could only get if Flash might have been on top of the pops. That was all you'd see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was, you, you wasn't getting anything. You'd have, it was Dave Allen's radio show, wasn't it, in, in, in London that had played. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some, some early hip hop and stuff. But it was just, you you just get any little kind of scraps of hip hop you could get because it was so hard to get hold of. And and I think it, it that just for me made it even more exciting and, and, and interesting because it wasn't particularly an English thing, certainly not at that point. It was all about this stuff and everything in America at that point as a kid, it was all the films was, you know, it was E.T., it was all of this stuff. Everything was very American and super exciting and larger than life and this music come out that sounded like it had been beamed down from outer space and it felt so exciting and so alien as well. Well, also, there's a whole social cultural thing. You remember being Usually. that few years older, which is for us, New York, right, was, I mean, I'd gone there for the first time in 1978. I was so scared. New York was the scariest place on earth. If they just invented mugging, they had, you know, so when the city was bankrupt and, and like, you know, the whole New York punk scene, which was really, was brilliant, but so dark, everything about it was darkness and threatening. And and all the really, films you know, then were made and, about and, the Bronx. And, ta and Taxi Driver. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was that, New York was that. And so, and whereas disco and soul and everything was so aspirational and up and everything. So there, there was, you know, they didn't seem, this was suddenly, there was something coming out of the black culture there. Which was absolutely dreadful. But what was what people seem to forget, right, is that hip hop was based on such incredible positivity, and you know, and it was a community thing. Someone said, in a way, it's like a, it was a response to when Reagan introduced these programs, where suddenly people couldn't learn musical instruments at school. No one had instruments, so you turn the turntable into an instrument, you know. And it was, and you had all, and you had all these breakdance crews who were gangs who'd been killing each other. You know, who's, and so it was, I mean, it was like something out of a cheesy musical, it, yeah. you know. So we were getting this whole message of positive because we were going through the same thing with the Thatcher and the Falklands. And, and so it was this wonderful kind of transatlantic joint positivity thing that was happening, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Right, before I take you, before I take you home uh, for, uh, for track six, tell me about working. Because as somebody that plays bass, this band had an incredible bass player for many, many years. So I'm presuming it would have been around Elemental that you played with Tears for Fears? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. I only played on one song. Right. Um, uh, and... Uh, and in fact, I'm not even on the whole song. I only do half the song. And I kind of thought I'd put it out. In fact, but when we had Rosa Roland on the podcast, it was I said, oh, you know, you'd probably, he said, oh, no, it's amazing what you did. And uh, But I never got asked back. So I, I, it's one of those things I always assumed I did something wrong. Because <laughs> I, I do, it was just an afternoon. I just drove all the way down to his studio. I, the thing I remember is he had this beautiful old yellow Citroen outside, one of those big ones with the suspension that goes up and down. Um and he had this lovely huge room and and i remember him while i was doing the track he was he he had a, you know because computers were huge there and he had two screens which was unbelievably impressive and i remember he he asked me when i was born and what time and everything and he had this computer program he was doing my star chart he was doing my birth chart and i got this terrible feeling that i, I so after when i didn't get called back i thought he, he must have not liked my star chart I must <laughs> I mean, where I, in the world is it where we've got to start putting our star charts no, on no. our CVs to make out if we're, we're right I, if we make the grade? I, d I had an experience of this before, which was I remember when I came home from my, the first leg of the Pink Floyd tour, that the Christmas 1987, right? And I was probably an unbearable asshole at the time. Yeah. Yeah, probably a complete dick. And anyone would be. And uh, Hugh Pancham invited me to his Christmas party. And I remember I was there and I met Howard Jones. And I'd just been doing everything. I, when I was in LA, I'd played on Peter Cetera's record. It's like, yeah, I'm the guy. I'm that guy, right? Right now. And it's like, and then Howard Jones is introduced to me. I go, oh, well, you Guy Pratt? Yeah, I'm Guy Pratt. And it's just like, and it's oh, man, maybe you'd like to come on a record. It's like, of course he's going to ask me to play on this record. Why wouldn't anyone ask me to play on their record? You know? like, so it's probably more to do with that. But he started taking my number down because that's what remember that's what you used to do. You yeah. would write someone's phone number down, and uh, he started writing my number down. And then he went, "Oh, what star sign are you?" Oh no, I not said, again. <laughs> no, this was before that, and and he said, and I said Capricorn. He went, oh, and it, the enthusiasm just seemed to wilt. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact of, you think you're king of, of the barely, tree coming back off barely, your tour and you get barely, slammed for being a Capricorn. <laughs> yeah, he sort of barely finished the last two numbers. <laughs> oh, so did you end up working know, with so Howard? It's probably, probably, just, probably just occurring to him as like, actually, this guy's a massive tool. You know? <laughs> did you ever work with Howard Jones? No. <laughs> Bloody Capricorns. I'm going to have to go back and look at every bass player he's ever worked with and see if ever for the Capricorns. Is Nick Beggs a Capricorn? I've never asked Nick. Nick Beggs is playing for him now, isn't he? I know. No, I know Nick is. And, Nick, uh, is Nick, I, I, Nick is a name that comes up everywhere. It comes up all the time on the podcast. And I love that. I love that Nick is part of our firmament. He was he's playing brilliant. the most complicated instrument when I saw... I saw Howard Jones last year. Oh, uh, playing a stick, Chapman's stick. Yeah, it looked very... Very museum, very overcomplicated. Do you know what? I, well, because it's one of those things I was going to in the eighties when I when I was you know really serious about my playing and everything. Where I uh, I, I was going to get a Chapman stick because it's what Tony Levin was playing, it's what Alfonso Johnson was playing, and it seemed like a thing to do until you suddenly realise actually they're only playing two strings. On it. Really? 
Really, yeah, they're not really doing this because because the bass on the stick sounds fantastic. Yeah, but as soon as once you start playing full stick, it gets a bit kind of Wyndham Hill, yeah. sort of new age. Doesn't. In fact, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you something. I've never said this publicly before, but uh, I met because when I started doing my stand up, my one of the first big break was I got asked to be on this radio show, brilliant radio show that Roland Riveron used to do called Jamming. Yeah, 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 and I was in the band for that, and. Um, and but I was first time I was I was on as a guest with uh, with Kate Robbins, the wonderful Kate Robbins, who actually went on to direct my show and everything. And I've got nothing but eternal love for her. And um, Emily Atak's mum, yeah, in fact. And uh, but Nick, when Nick Beggs was on, he and he got his Chapman stick out. And Kate said the funniest. I said oh, those things are amazing. I was going to learn one, but it's so complicated. I, you know, I just don't know if I could do it. And Kate just said, "Yeah, but when you see one of those, you just think buskers." <laughs> incredible it's so true isn't it? so when when do you see a chapman stick you don't see one at wembley mate you see a bloke on the south bank <laughs> completely <laughs> love that <laughs> oh wonderful well look i've asked you to to send over your tracks in advance like i do every other guest and uh, for track six, I'm, I always take guests home to their home county and I ask them for one. And you reply with, there's just too many. Do you know what it's got to be? Uh, thinking about it, it's really, really obvious, um, which is that I was born and raised in Waterloo. Okay. So it's Waterloo Sunset, isn't of it? Of course it is. Um, <laughs> and... It, do you know what? Every now and again, that record comes on. And I'm, I'm as much as this is my podcast, and I, I push people for for favourite records. I'd never be able to sort of pick my my all time favourite record. The Ronettes is up there, but I just think every time Waterloo Sunset comes on, I think this is close to perfect as it gets. And also, especially even just Dave's guitar part, yeah, is so perfect. Which is, um, uh, uh, which is essentially George's. George's part from uh, Day Tripper. Yeah. So no, or is it is, is it Day Tripper or Tickets to Right? It's Day Tripper. Yes, yeah, Day Tripper. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm always interested to know with we, 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 sort of musicians that have, have you know you you've, you've played with literally everybody. Um, when you sit down and hear a new bit of music, do you listen to it on face value or? Are you deconstructed? I try, but I can't. I can't. This is why I'm. This is why I'm mainly listening to classical music. To be honest, these days. Oh, really? It, yeah, because it's because it's uh, because I can't. Yeah. You know, I'm basically listening to Marla mainly at the moment. Yeah. And the, and the terrible thing is actually, but but I, now I'm a, I approach Marla with my rock ears. Yeah. Uh, my my twentieth twenty first century ears, and all I can hear is the riffs. It's like, fucking hell, man. You want to talk about riffs? It's like, you know, Marla was Jimmy Page. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, look, but yeah, no, you're right. It's a terrible thing. And, and especially when my son sends me stuff, although when my son sends me stuff of his, and it's, I'm really impressed with his production and stuff. You just think, where did you learn that? Um, but yeah, what the thing I do, there, there's an upside to it. I mean, it's very bad for new music. But it's great for old music because I now go back and listen to stuff that I thought sounded a certain way. Yeah. And it doesn't. And you realize 
that lots of stuff was a lot more hokey and a lot less, especially people like um, Trevor Horn, for instance, yeah. where the whole point of those records were you're stepping into a Maxfield Parish perfect yeah. sort of Elysian world of, you know, and, uh, but, but you go back and, you know, they are, they're, they're, they're as good as they ever were. This, you know, slave children is still the best. But it's now I can hear the guy playing the guitar. I can hear the drums. I can hear the, you know, and it's like it's it's not it's it's not superhuman. Yeah. And you know, and it's in some records that's nice. There are some things like Quadrophenia or or Ziggy Stardust, where I'll never be able to equate that with people in a room playing. It's yeah. just too Olympian. That's where the magic is. That bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna say, ask... same, um, same with the wall or something. With comfortably numb, I never, you know, I've, I, you know, I've been in the studio with David. I know what it's like, and Rick. Yeah. I know what it's like, but it, it's not. But it's like when I did it, it's not what like what they were doing before. Yeah. It just can't be, you know. Well, I want to put you in the studio before I ask you the last track, and it's I, I listened to an interview a while ago with Brian Eno, uh, and he said like, not who was the best, but who was the most prolific musician that you've seen work and he he said the band james were prolific he said like they would just jam and put these incredible these, these incredible songs together of all the artists that you've worked with who who would you like literally marvel at, at how productive and prolific they were um oh i don't really i can't think i don't know because i'm not really out around people enough i'll tell you someone who it used to just fall out of all the time was gary moore really yeah, and he was doing a different, like, you know, the album that I did with him as well, there's like, there's there's the Britpop song, there's the Barry White song, there's the blues workout, there's the, you know, he was and he was just taking everything in all the time, all yeah. the, you know, and then he was forever playing stuff, like the kind of, you know, he, he did, um, uh, when he did the Greedy Bastards, you know, the stuff. Yeah. But then he played me, he's got an whole album's worth of demos that he did with Stephen Paul as well. I've got you know he and he he's had tons and tons and tons of stuff and it's just that sheer unbridled love of just yeah. like he just needs to be to do stuff so you know I can't think I and you know I, I mean people I tend to work with aren't the most prolific people in the world I suppose <laughs> <laughs> all right well look you could be tastemaker now uh for your last track and I'm going to ask you to um to recommend a song to our listeners that you think they may not know that you would like them to hear well, actually, I, I did. The song I suggested to you might be the wrong choice. I was going to say that's the way I like it by Casey and Sun Let's the Sunshine talk about Band. That, though. But I'll tell you why. That's just because, uh, just because of one bass note in it. Because there's always been something about that. I thought that's a great track and it's a great arrangement. But there's something in it. There's something almost supernatural that makes me absolutely. And it's there's a wrong bass note. It's not a wrong bass note. It's in the classical sense. It's actually the correct minor note, but it's what we would call incorrect. And it's, it's like the major, but it's basically um, on the bass. I'll show you where it goes. It, uh, it, it's right that dumb where it goes. It should go. Da-dum, right? But it goes da-dum. And that's a really major point at the start of the song. Is and that a major point for anybody in the world apart from Guy Pratt? I think on a subconscious level it is, yeah, because it goes against <laughs> everything you've ever heard in pop music. Yeah. Um, but no, the song I would say everyone should listen to because I it, it is, to me, 
it seems to me to somehow bend space and time and it's impossible it, which is the most perfectly constructed and created pop song ever written which is the sun ain't gonna shine anymore oh my Be god because it's got literally everything a pop song has it. it has a verse a chorus a bridge a middle eight and a key change and it's less than three minutes long yeah. and it's not even fast are we, it's just i don't know are we going walker brothers version uh yeah walker brothers version yeah. Oh, and that's what one of the proudest things in my life. I got to play on Cher's version. Wow! Uh, which tre with Trevor Horn producing. I mean, that'd do, wouldn't it? Yeah, although, and I play, came up with a really, really nice. But I was playing acoustic guitar. Trevor, I don't always play bass for Trevor. Trevor has this th theory, and he's absolutely right. Which is, when it comes to acoustic guitar, get anyone to play it except the guitarist. Literally anyone. What's the logic guy, behind that? Because on an acoustic guitar, a guitarist is going to go, I could go, or I can give you this, or I can give you this. When what you want is C, 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 G, 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 G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like literally get the guy delivering the pizza to play the fucking acoustic guitar before you ask the guitarist. <laughs> and he got me to play. And, and he said, oh, it, and I came up with this bit for it, a really nice little plucky bit. I was very proud of it. And I said, what do you think of that? He said, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'll definitely use that. And then I went back and he said, yeah, I've put, I'm using that bit. And I said, I, I said, and there's a little something happening with it. I went, oh, great. What you got happening? So I, I've got a jet airliner taking off over it. <laughs> like, oh, thanks a lot, mate. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you chose that track because I, I, I honestly think it's, a, it's an absolute It's perfect. It's perfect. And, it's perfect. And in the, the, the passing of Bacharach last week, I went and, and listened to Make It Easy On Yourself. And then it just led me back down to, to, to other Walker Brothers stuff. And it was... The voice is just amazing. The, the arrangement is perfect, and yeah, and that's that's Frankie Valley, isn't it? Wrote that. Oh right, yeah, it? yeah, Frankie. Do you Valley. know? I've never. You think I'd have checked that? Yes, yeah. four seasons. But I mean, yeah. I remember finding out, and, and it was actually David Gilmore who told me this, and I'd never thought about it because he he recorded a version with his daughter Romany years and years and years ago, just as a yeah. Christmas thing, uh, which is close to you. Well, the Baccarat. Yeah, yeah, but which you just thought I thought was it's a Carpenter song. Yeah, so I just thought it was the Carpenters, and it's yeah. like it's like no, no, but Burt Bacharach wrote it, and it was originally a Dion Warwick B side. Yeah, and and I didn't know that, but I remember it's one of those things. Remember when you're told that's written by Burt Bacharach? It's like, of course it fucking is, <laughs> of, course, <laughs> yeah. of course, as if it ever wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I'm no, I, I actually I now feel ashamed that I there isn't any Bacharach in there, but. Oh, well, we've, we've, but, we've, we've given him a, a, a nod, so that's that's great. Yes. Um, we make it easy for, for listeners of the podcast to go and listen to all of the tracks uh, we've spoken about today, Guy, because we put a little Spotify playlist together to accompany the oh, podcast so nice. people can go and listen to everything. And, uh, and we put some bits of your stuff on there as well, of course. Um, so for the rest of this year, what's going to be happening with podcasts and with books, gigs? Like, what's <laughs> happening? What are you doing? There's uh well there's a lot of podcasts coming up there's there's actually going to hopefully some exciting developments with uh, rock on tours uh, I can't say what because we're not entirely sure what they are but there's there's various options open to us there's there's going to be some sources gigs um uh, in the summer in Europe not over here not in England uh, but unfortunately uh, and there's a very 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 unbelievably big exciting thing that I can't talk about. 
you can't just say that. I can't talk that. It's okay, but let me say it. It's okay just to stop the forums melting down. It's nothing to do with Pink Floyd. <laughs> oh. It's actually nothing. It's nothing to do with uh, any musical artist you know. All right, so okay. just to stop any speculation there. But it's incredibly exciting, wow. which means it clearly won't happen. And so, Guy, if people want to keep up to speed with with all things in the world of Guy Pratt, where's the best place to keep up to speed with you? Uh, uh, I, I have a website, but it, I, I don't, it was, a, that, that, it was a labor of love by a, a, guy, a friend of mine, very lovely guy in Portugal for years. So I, just my Facebook guy, Pratt official on Facebook and guy Pratt official on Instagram. Wonderful. Wonderful. And Twitter and Twitter. If you want to hear my political rantings, but I, I, I don't really do that anymore. I can't, I've got a podcast now. I can't <laughs> abuse politicians anymore. <laughs> It's always good to do that, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, Guy, honestly, mate, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a real, real pleasure just just nattering tunes with you. It's been no, it's lovely. Lovely. Yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Wonderful. I'm gonna press. You stop. got you got some Don't good go stuff. Ah, oh, I could have had that conversation for another three hours. There's so many artists that I wanted to ask Guy about, and and I chose to sort of swerve. You know the 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 Brian Ferries and and the Floyds and stuff because you know I'm I'm sure uh, so many of you have have have, have sort of dug deep um, into them sort of stories. I'm sure guys told them many many times. So I tried to sort of pick some some artists that you may not talk about as much as. Um, so uh, I hope you got your fix uh, there. It was such an honour to, to to chat to him. He's such a nice guy, and uh, and there's an episode uh, of the Pod Bible podcast which. Um, which I host uh, for, for our magazine, where I spoke to both Guy uh, and Gary. And you can find that if you go over to podbiblemag.com and uh, you can go and give that a watch or a listen. Um, yeah, uh, as mentioned at the beginning, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can just say cheers for that and buy us a coffee on uh, the, the, the link in the show notes. Or you can uh, watch the episode uh, and come along to the live show and everything else for, for 70p a month at the Patreon. And, uh, and I'd love to to see you at them live shows um other than that i think i'm done i can let you get on with your day thanks ever so much for listening thanks again to guy um until next time um be nice to each other i love you lots bye bye